Starting any agribusiness is an uphill battle. This week on Farmers Inside Track, microbiologist Morgan Brunt shares nine steps you should go through before setting up your small farm. Winter is no longer a stressful time for part-time KwaZulu Natal cattle farmer Sipo Shibe. Once he introduced his cattle to Furmol molasses, their condition has taken a turn for the better. Plus, Dr. Francois van der Feyver, the national technical manager at Furmol Feeds, adds a few tips for farmers. The South African Poultry Farmers and Suppliers Association warns up-and-coming farmers against an increase in scammers in the poultry industry. Spokesperson Jay Fenter weighs in on how to avoid scammers, especially if you're a new farmer. Gauteng crop farmer Mapaseka Dlamini knows that farming is no bed of roses. Like many before her, she's learned many tough lessons that could easily have broken her spirit. Yet she reigned victorious and this week she is crowned as Food for Mzanzi and Koteva AgriSciences, hashtag Soil Sister. To mark World Rabies Day on the 28th of September, we connect with Dr. Didi Klaassen, AfriVet's technical and marketing support executive, who reminds South Africans that the rabies vaccination is compulsory by law. And on top of our reading list this week is a book titled The New Corner Office How Successful People Work From Home by Laura van der Kam. And our farmer tip of the week comes from Mpumezo Ndimo, who is the farm manager at Bainsfield Farms in Pietermarisburg, Kwazulu Natal. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food from Zanzi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey, I'm Zanzi, and welcome to episode 94 of Food from Zanzi's podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I am Dawn Numdu, the editor for audience and engagement at Food from Zanzi. And joining me is my co host, Duncan Masiwa. Now, agriculture is dynamic, and this week we're showcasing its diversity with our jam packed lineup. Hey Dawn, and yep, I couldn't agree more. And we'll kick off the show with our colleague Nicole Ludoff, who chats to microbiologist and KwaZulu-Natal farmer Morgan Brunt, who walks us through the nine easy steps of setting up a small farm using the scales of performance. Welcome to the podcast, Morgan. Can you tell us a bit about the scale of permanence? Now, if you haven't heard of the scale of permanence, this is just a checklist, a mental checklist that you should go through when thinking about land, when thinking about agriculture. And it's a sort of a step-by-step way of understanding exactly where you are. Each site will be unique. Each site will have its own context. Please take us through the mental checklist. The first point you've got to think about is your climate. More than just the temperature, winds and rainfall, you look at the social economic status of your area. And there's a lot that you can bring into this, but it's again, it's specific to your context. So what are your questions you're asking that are climate related and think about them. Figure these things out, brainstorm, put them down. The second thing you go into is going to be geography. So what exactly does the land say it can do? And when I say say, it obviously doesn't speak to you and it won't speak to you unless you're really observant. Then you may think it's speaking to you because you're able to read it. But what I mean by that is analyze the land, the land shape, the land form, understand its aspects, where is it facing, north, south, east or west for light, understand its steepness on a gradient for water, 
and also how that gradient changes as you move around the contours. The third thing you're going to think about is the water systems. Water moves according to the land and it appears according to the climate. So we've already covered a whole lot about what water is. With water, you look at how it naturally moves around. Where is it going? How is it doing it? Where is it being destructive? Understanding how it's going to cause you trouble is important. And where could it be manipulated? Where would be the best places for storage, the most efficient in terms of the size to volume type of calculations that can be done? And when you start to understand where your water can be stored and furthermore how it moves around your landscape, then we start to look our at fourth point, which is going to be access. Because now we understand our climate, our geography, our water, and we know where we can drive, how to move around most efficiently. Because when you have a farm and you're carting tons and tons and tons of stuff around the system, you don't want to be messing around. You want that to be an efficient process. So you look at your access. Where do these roads go? Or in my case, my pathways. How am I going to design my pathways around there for this vegetable garden? The fifth point to consider is going to be your fruits, forestry, and livestock. When you've gone through the steps, one, two, three, four, you're now allowed to think about what grows. What do you want to grow? So if you follow the steps, you have a fundamental grasp of what you can put and where it might be. So that's what you start to use now. So the sixth thing we think about is the buildings. It's our post-harvest wash station, put together from a bit of scrap Wendy house that we were donated. And we stripped apart one of the walls here to make some slats so that we could block out the sun. And we have our wash station right behind that. So I told Rob we need something that we can use to wash our vegetables in. And he came up with this system. It was very efficient. So the seventh thing to think about is fencing. Fencing is an expensive process. If you need to put up fences, be prepared to put the bucks out. Or you're just going to struggle. And what we're finding is we really need to put fencing up to be able to expand. So we're trying to grow what we can within the space we already have using all our resources we have available. And now we're going to go forward with that with the intention of expanding our fencing system. So the eighth thing that you're going to need to think about is your soil. And with that, I suppose, depending on what your soil type is, will be whether or not you need to make compost and how much compost you need to make. But composting is going to be an essential part of probably every system. Number nine, the last thing we think about is the economy. Does this actually make sense? And we start to then put those numbers back into the system and churn that again, having a better understanding of each of the cogs that got you to thinking about the money. Some people think it's the most important part, the business side of it, the finances. But on a farm, it's not really. It's very important to make money because it is a business at the end of the day. And we need to remember that no matter what your ideology is, if you want to make a success of it, your concept, your ideology, if you want to be that person that changes the world, you need to be a successful farmer first. By that, I mean a businessman. You need to make money to be able to survive into that point in time where you can actually change the world. Thank you so much, Morgan. For a more detailed explanation on how to start a small farm, follow Morgan on his YouTube channel, Morgs Brew. That's M-O-R-G-S-B-R-E-W. Thanks, Nicole. And it's always great having you, Morgan Brunt. Morgan is, of course, a microbiologist and KwaZulu-Natal farmer. 
Now, from setting up a small farm to animal nutrition with Furmo feeds, winter is no longer a stressful time for part-time KwaZulu-Natal cattle farmer Sipo Shibe. But his animal's condition took a turn for the better once he introduced his cattle to Furmo molasses. Dr. Francois van der Feyfer, who is the National Technical Manager at Furmo Feeds, adds a few tips for farmers. Welcome back, Dr. Van der Feyfer. It's been a while. Yes, certainly. Thank you, Dawn. It's good to be back. So this week, we're talking cattle nutrition. Winter is no longer a stressful time for part-time cuisine natal farmer, Sipo Asibe. He introduced his cattle to Furmo molasses, and their condition has taken a turn for the better. Dr. Van der Feyfer, this farmer clearly speaks highly of Furmol's molasses products. Could you tell us a little bit more about this? So Furmol is a molasses-based feed company, and simply what this means is that we use the byproduct from the sugar industry, namely molasses syrup, as our energy source and our products, while other companies would focus on maybe grains or other energy sources. So this allows Furmol to develop several products to meet the modern-day farmers' needs. Molasses meal, for instance, is purely an energy supplement consisting obviously of molasses syrup and then a roughage sauce. And this product can then be further fortified with proteins and salt, vitamins, minerals to create our well-known leaks or our well-known concentrates. And with the addition of something like roughage and some grains and oil cakes, we can also produce complete or total mixed rations for the farmer. And then the whole range of our summer, winter and production leaks is also available in block form, which also consists out of the molasses base, as I explained earlier. Why is the use of molasses meal successful for this farmer specifically? Well, Dawn, I think as I mentioned earlier already, molasses meal is an energy source. So Mr. Shibi farms under probably some of the most difficult conditions in terms of him not having access to sufficient land or space. So one can assume, therefore, that the felt or grazing on his farm is very limited. In other words, the animals rely on Mr. Shibe to supply them with most of their energy needs. And that is why molasses meal is showing such good results in his case. So molasses meal is a good source of B vitamins and also minerals and energy. But its greatest use is in partially replacing more expensive other energy sources such as grains. In maintenance leaks, for instance, all the grain can be substituted or replaced by molasses meal. And then in production leaks, which is the leaks we use this time of year, we usually recommend that up to 50% of a grain component of that leak can be replaced by molasses meal. And Mr. Shibi will find as his herd expands, when he does get more land available, he will start following different production goals and then the choice of product he will use will change according to the nutritional requirements of his animals. And how would you advise up-and-coming farmers to use supplements on their farm to get the best performance from their animals? I think you've highlighted some of the aspects that this farmer specifically uses, Sipo Shibe. Yes, so we always advise farmers to use the cheapest or rather, let's put it, the most economical resource to its fullest potential first. So obviously I'm referring to the natural felt or pasture or grazing. And then the leak program has the purpose, the sole purpose of supplementing only the primary deficiency of a felt during that particular season. 
So we can split the year into three major periods, namely the summer period, the winter period, and then the period of the year we are in now, this light winter transition into spring period, which is a high production demand period. And each one of these periods have their specific requirements. So I'll briefly go through them. The first phase then would be the summer leaks. So we know in summer that's when the felt is nice and green, it's very palatable, it's high in protein, highly digestible. So then our primary deficiency would be phosphorus and some of the trace minerals. And therefore, we, all we need to do is to supplement animals with something like a Rumovite 6P product or our food more phosphate block. That would then meet the requirements for the animals in summer. Winter period, probably the more difficult period. That's a period when the felt is dormant, so the grass is not growing, it's not palatable, and it's very indigestible. The digestibility is very low. In that period, the primary deficiency is protein, or more specifically nitrogen, for the rumen microorganisms. So therefore, we supplement then a degradable protein or non-protein nitrogen, such as urea, in a winter leak. So typically, we would be using Furmol's Premix 450 to overcome the animal's winter challenges and keep them at the maintenance level. And then the period of the year we are in now, so probably the cows will be pregnant or they might have coughed already. The felt is still not good quality because it hasn't really rained yet and the animals have got a very high production requirement. In this period of the year, then we recommend the farmers to use a production leak, which not only supplies minerals and protein, but also energy. So it's a very high intake leak with a good nutrient value. And then in conclusion, Dr. Van der Feifer, what would you like to send the listeners home with today? What's your take-home message? Yeah, as always, I would advise the farmers to focus on two major areas. The first is to set specific production goals for their herd so that there is constant progression in the business. And then secondly, to feed the animals according to their genetic potential by always supplementing the primary deficiencies during the different seasons of the year. Thanks again for joining us, Dr. Francois van der Feifer, National Technical Manager at Furmo Feeds. Furmol produces superior quality molasses-based supplements for ruminants. These products include maintenance, mineral transition, production and energy licks, feedlot concentrates and liquid feeds. For expert advice on animal nutrition for optimal production and profit, contact Foodmall Feeds on 032-439-5599 or info at foodmall.co.za. Next up, the South African Poultry Farmers and Supplies Association warns up-and-coming farmers against an increase in scammers in the poultry industry. They're also concerned about exuberant feed prices. Spokesperson Jay Fenter says, How can our industry develop if no focus has been given to these small little things that matter? Jay joins us today on Farmers Inside Track. Jay, maybe you can tell us a bit more about the South African Poultry Farmers and Suppliers Association. So the organization started formalizing late 2019. We were formalized in 2020. Look, we started off in KwaZulu-Natal as Kaiser and Poultry Farmers and Suppliers Association. But then we found the need to develop the organization with a national footprint. And that's just because obviously we promote the social and economic benefits of poultry farming. You know, with everything going on now, the unemployment, this, that, 
So we use the poultry industry to create opportunities for rural communities. The fastest way to grow is through poultry farming. And how can farmers avoid scammers? Do you have any practical advice specifically for new farmers? Like any other industry, the poultry industry absolutely riddles with scammers. And we see farmers, aspiring farmers, and you know that is what hurts us the most, is the mm. fact that aspiring farmers that do not know better go to the wrong places looking for, for poultry. And social media is so good, but social media is such a big poison because we see people lose thousands on a daily basis. So our Scam Awareness Project is just to create awareness around scammers mm. in the industry. Then our Circle Cat Project, as you saw there, so a lot of farmers for all in our rural communities, and that actually inspired us to, to develop a program informing and advising people about predator management in the poultry industry for all under your free range sectors. What people do is people misinterpret killings of birds okay. on farms. They think it's a servile or, and we're not just speaking about chickens over here, we're speaking about sheep, goats. The survey is taking tremendous strain. The numbers in the wild has decreased. And that is just due to people seeing them as a threat to their poultry. But if you, if you just manage your skin properly and the uh, servos can't get into your cages, then there's no yeah. reason to kill it. Because I promise you in KwaZulu-Natal and in Pumalanga, it's a big problem. The people are killing the servos because they think that it's them attacking their livestock and killing their chickens. Look, we're not saying that they're not killing the chickens. They are. But what we are saying is, don't kill them, rather okay. relocate them or rather do something else. But yeah, And then we're currently busy with the, the launch of the layer project, basically just because the broiler industry at this stage is taking a very big knock, I'm sure you know. This is due to Aiden influenza and four of our major national contributors to the live industry for fertile eggs and for bale broilers. We've done a calculation and you know, with the four major farms, national chicks are one of them, Grutzia Hatchery is another one. There's four major farms. So with them being out of the game and not able to supply the demand, we are currently facing a shortage of about 1.4 million day-old chicks per week. So that obviously affects so much. And our core business is to stimulate the market using day-old boilers. And then before we let you go, what type of development do you want to see in the poultry farming industry? A lot of our raw materials get purchased up by China. What they are saying in that aspect is, how can our, our industry develop? How can mm-hmm. our industry develop if no focus is being given to these small little things that matter? For example, the feed price. I mean, they can really come to the table and just, if, if you want something to boom, stimulate it. And you're not going to stimulate it by, by increasing prices. Although, honestly, Nicole, I see the industry from an eagle's eye viewpoint. Okay, so I see it right now. And if South Africa just invests half of the money that they invest in other nonsense in mm. supporting our own poultry infrastructure, mm. we will definitely be able to supply South Africa's own demand for poultry. Okay. That is what it's about. Thanks for joining us, spokesperson of the South African Poultry Farmers and Supplies Association, Jay Finter. Hope to chat to you again soon. Thanks, Dawn, and great having you, Jay Finter. I'm sure you'll agree with me that fraudsters and scam artists posing as agricultural suppliers has left many poultry farmers across South Africa disgruntled and hopeless. So thank you so much for that very informative chat. Jay Fenter is of course from the South African Poultry Farmers and Suppliers Association. Listen, our book of the week is coming up shortly, but first we meet our hashtag soul sister 
Pateng crop farmer Mapaseket Lamini knows that farming is no bed of roses and like many before her, she's learned many tough lessons that could have easily broken her spirit. Yet she reigned victorious and is this week's Food from Zanzi and Koteva AgriScience soul sister. Mapaseka, where and how did your farming journey start? I pursued my passion. The first decision I made was in 12 September. That was just after I wrote my certified theory in accounting. In short, we call it CTA level 2. That's like the equivalent of honors, I guess. An accountant student. And I decided, you know, I no longer want a job in an office. I've been to vacation work at Deloitte and I sort of experienced what auditors are doing. I want something that gives me life. Then I knew it was something related with nature. And I figured, okay, I know that at some point I want to own a farm, but it was not something that I thought would happen now. So I finally, actually that Saturday when I just finished my exams, I watched Living Land. On Saturday in the morning, and they were airing, it was the Women in Agriculture 2012 hour. So then there was a lady there called Meflora Mamuchichin. And after that, on Monday, I was still working full time. And I got to the office, I called SADC looking for living lands, contact details. They took me from pillar to post, SADC Auckland Park, ended up in Cape Town, Cape Town, Century. Until we found offices, until I found the offices. And I think at the time, I think it was Karawa, the host of the ever. She was just about to leave and they called the insane of the summer looking for one of the ladies that were, that had been awarded an agricultural award. And she said, Oh, yeah, I do have many flowers numbers. I'm like, Yeah, I'm looking to go into farming, I'm looking for a venture. And maybe she might be a good start. Because I could see her passion, I could see her resilience, I could see, you know, she's had bigger dreams for growing her layer farm, because she was doing eggs at the time. Um, she had 11,000 chickens, which was in the end of the year, around 20,000 chickens. What are some of the toughest lessons you've learned along the way? When came June, I thought, you know what, no, I can't anymore. I feel like I'm not growing anymore. You know what? How about from the 21 hectare, we lease few hectares from them? Two hectares, three hectares, whatever you can. Like, you know, I don't see a problem, I don't with my husband. That's where now I learned the tricks and the challenges of agribusiness. I went in looking to a level agreement. I knew that I would have to send an assignment contract. I let my excitement, my impulsive person to take over me and not say no. I want to put a cent in the soil. I even one irrigation time or pay even one person for labor who had a contractual agreement with these people. So we had a verbal agreement now there's a two hectare and Marie and I said, no, but we need to discuss because I'm irrigating. How will the electricity work? And it became a nightmare. We started in August, started buying things with my salary ladies, other months on the short. So all these mistakes that I made, unknowingly how hectic this industry is. There's so many factors that will delay your success, delay your progress, the sustainability of the farm. 
Any advice to other women entering the farming arena? Follow your passion. Farming is your passion. Go for it. But go for it with an open mind bent. It's an industry that needs skill. We always undermine the skill required to farm, to manage an agribusiness. The best thing that we think of is funding. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. Be sure to read Mapaseka Dlamini's inspirational article on Food for Mzanzi's website. Now to mark World Rabies Day on the 28th of September, we connect with Dr. Didi Klaassen, who is AfriVet's Technical and Marketing Support Executive, as he joins us to remind South Africans that the rabies vaccination is compulsory by law. Dr. Klaassen, could you perhaps start by explaining to us what rabies is and how does it affect animals and humans? Rabies is a viral disease. It's one of the oldest diseases known to man. And it can affect both animals and people. It originates in animals and then people can be accidentally affected. So that's why we call it a zoonotic disease. And it's a very good example of One Health, where the veterinary sector, the health sector, and the environmental sector needs to work together to make sure that people and animals do not die of this disease. What are the symptoms and treatment procedure? So there's no treatment for rabies. The moment an animal or a person starts showing symptoms of rabies, it's inevitable that they will die. Medical facilities and veterinary facilities can try to give palliative treatment to just decrease the suffering of the person. But yeah, it's a horrible disease and no one should die this way. So it's really important that we intervene before it gets to the point of people showing symptoms. The symptoms in animals vary quite a bit. There are different forms. I think the most common idea that people have is that wild animals become tame and tame animals become wild. And this is true to an extent, but we must just keep in mind that there's a furious, so that's the aggressive form that most people are aware of with rabies. But then there's also a dumb form where the animals can appear completely normal and then either lick or scratch or just do these little nip bites that can still expose a person or another animal to the rabies virus. Something that is also inevitable with any animal that starts showing symptoms is that they will die within 10 days. So if you have an animal with a behavioral change and they die shortly afterwards and they were biting people or other animals, you must be really concerned that this might be rabies. But like I said, there are other diseases that can look very similar, like canine distemper virus. Some of the cattle diseases can resemble rabies. So it's always important if ever you're unsure or you see an animal with changed behavior or there's something worrying you, contact your state veterinary services that they can confirm whether these symptoms are consistent with rabies and that they can do the necessary tests and then refer you for medical treatment. How can farmers, farming communities and the public protect themselves against contracting rabies? I'll always say this and any person involved with rabies control will reiterate the statement. We need to vaccinate our dogs and cats against rabies. So why we say this is we don't want humans to die. There's a drive in South Africa and globally 
We're part of this drive to say that there should be zero human deaths due to canine rabies by the year 2030. And the only way that we're going to achieve this is if all entities work together. So veterinary services, the Department of Agriculture needs to make vaccine available free of charge for anyone who can and wants to vaccinate their pets, which they are doing. Secondly, the owners need to take their dogs to be vaccinated. It doesn't help that the vaccine is available, but we're not vaccinating our dogs and cats. And then thirdly, if there are exposures, the Department of Health should play their role to make sure that the people get the correct medication and treatment following exposure at the right time. And all of this comes with education as well from the different entities. So firstly, please, please, please make sure that your dogs and cats are vaccinated. And then secondly, if you're farming with livestock and you're in an area that's at high risk, so that means you need to know what's going on in your area. If there's been an outbreak and if there are regular outbreaks that you can speak to your veterinarian to obtain some vaccine to vaccinate your cattle or small stock, that's another option. And then lastly, if you see any suspicious animals or if you're exposed, you need to report those animals and you need to seek medical attention immediately. This is what's going to save your life. We can't wait for symptoms to start showing. As I said, if you start showing symptoms of rabies, you are going to die. So on the day that you get exposed or you are bitten or licked or scratched, then you're unsure, but still go seek medical attention and make sure that they know that you've been exposed to a suspect rabbit animal. So in summary, vaccinate your dogs and cats. Know what's going on in your area. So if there's a need that livestock should be vaccinated, you can arrange that. And report any suspect animals and then seek medical attention if you're exposed. That's the only way we can save ourselves and save people in our community. And also just make sure that you know about rabies, what it exactly entails. Attend information sessions and get to know your state vet and your animal health technician in the area. They're the friend that you need to phone. And you can't start making friends in a crisis. You need to have a friend that you can phone in a crisis. A good example is in the past three years, we haven't had any reports of rabies in the Nelson Mandela Bay area. And now it is hectic with the amount of positive cases happening. So we need to make sure that we don't have naive populations where rabies can spread rampantly. We can't get complacent just because rabies hasn't been reported in a long time. So make sure that no matter where you live in South Africa, your dogs and cats are vaccinated and if need be, your livestock as well. Any advice for new farmers in closing? For new farmers, every area in South Africa differs. Our country is quite diverse in its climates and its farming industries. So having a farm in the Eastern Cape province is completely different to having a farm in the Northern Cape province. And for a new farmer, I always say there's a couple of people you need in your life and that's going to make your life easier. And a lot of people see them it's unnecessary, but I completely disagree. We should work together as a team always. So firstly, most people obtain their medication from a co-op. So know where your co-op is so that you can go buy the necessary medicine and food and additives for your animals. And then secondly is your veterinarian, so state and private. The state veterinarians will be able to assist you with managing control diseases in the area and your private veterinarians will be able to supply you with medication that the state vets not necessarily will be able to do. And both of them will be able to assist in setting up a herd health program for your farm based on your individual needs. So for example, when should you vaccinate? Should you vaccinate for diseases like rabies, for example? What other non-control diseases are important and that could affect your farming industry? They can help you decide when you should dose, if it's necessary to dose, should you dip. And in doing so, you don't necessarily treat and medicate your animals, so you save money, but you also have healthy animals that produce better. 
So for new farmers, I always say make sure that you know who your friends and your allies are in the area and that they can help you adapt something specific for your farm that you can farm better. Especially when it comes to control diseases, there aren't many, but those that are there can really create or cause havoc in your farming entity. And it's so, so unnecessary when help is available and mostly free of charge. I just really want to reiterate today's World Rabies Day. Please go vaccinate your dogs and cats and make the most of this opportunity. If you're looking for information about your state vet, um, it's available on the National Department of Agriculture's website. They have all the contact details for the various provinces on there. And if you're still unsure, Google is your friend. So just make sure that your dogs and cats are vaccinated. There is no excuse and no one should die because of rabies. Thanks, Duncan. And always great having you, Dr. Didi Klaassen, AfriVet's technical and marketing support executive. I have to say, I'm a little bit of a super fan. Also, if you missed this article about World Rabies Day and ways to ensure your safety, please go and check out Foodform Zanzi for more details. Now we're drawing closer to the end of another great episode. But first, our book of the week. Our farmer selected The New Corner Office, How Successful People Work From Home by Lorda Vanderkam. She's known as a time management expert, and her advice is practical. Carolyn Sampson, Head of Strategy and Sustainability at Access Bank SA, reviewed this book for us. Over to you, Carolyn. In March last year, many of us suddenly started working from home. In my case, the dining room table became our office, complete with a tree outside the window, which serves as the perfect perch for Adidas to participate in my online meetings. Most companies and individuals were not prepared for this sudden shift. In Laura van der Kamp's book, The New Corner Office, she shares her considerable experience of working from home with a house full of children. She is known as a time management expert, and her advice is practical. Stop managing by hours. Focus on tasks. Schedule tasks based on your energy levels. Use odd bits of time for personal well-being, and think clearly about the purpose of meetings. Use Friday afternoons to plan the coming week and be realistic about your task list. As we transition to a world of more flexible working practices, the New Corner Office is a useful resource. Plan our working from home lives. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. It's yummy. It's good for you. And the whole family loves it. It's grain-filled chickens, proudly South African and mouth-wateringly delicious. Discover a world of tasty goodness and visit Grain-Filled Chickens for COZA or like our Facebook page for more. Grain-Filled Chickens, a proud member of VKB. VKB, for the love of the land. Sounds like a must-read, especially for me, because time management, uh-uh, sometimes I'm not the best person. <laughs> Remember, if you'd like to review a book or perhaps you have a suggestion, feel free to email info at foodformzanzi.co.za. Now, before we let you go, we would like to share our farmer tip of the week that comes from Mpomezo Ndimo, farm manager at Bainsfield Farm in Pietermaritzburg, KwaZulu-Natal. They should, from the onset on the farming operation, they should always focus on quality. They should try to focus on building a quality product. They should focus more on the brand of what they're producing because now if most farmers or farmers are struggling with getting the produce in the market and you find that most of the time that the problem is quality related, 
So I would, I would very much advise farmers to try and produce the much needed quality because now you find there's so much food in the market, but the quality of the food is not really nice. So we need farmers that are going to strive to produce quality food instead of chasing quantities. They should try to produce quality food. Then those products that they're producing without food will in turn help them when it comes to marketing the goods. So sort of when you're producing a great quality product, you're sort of helping yourself also with the marketability of the product. And another advice would be, it is very important for, for farmers to network. That is one of my greatest advices to farmers that you should network, you should know people that know different things. You won't do this farming thing alone. You need to be very proficient in your networking. You need to know everyone everywhere. You need a guy that is good in soul science. You need a guy that is good in this and that. And that comes through mentorship. You should get mentored to be able to be great at networking and get access to much needed information. You must network, 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 network. Always find mentorship. Always ask for advice from people. In that way, you are assisting yourself. And our Farmer Tip of the Week from Mpumea Zondimo brings us to the end of this week's Farmer's Inside Track. Proudly brought to you by Food Form Zanzi. For daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists to go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit foodformzanzi.co.za or simply follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or YouTube. And don't forget we have farm spaces happening every Monday on Twitter for all the vital information you'll need as a new farmer in Mzanzi. And to our listeners, remember, if you love this podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. The Farmers Inside Track is, of course, available for free on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And of course, also on foodformzanzi.co.za. But from me, Duncan Masiwa, Don Numdu, Nicole Ludov and our producer, Megan van der Fent and the rest of Team Food from Zanzi, have a great week. Corteva is in it for farmers, for good. As a company solely focused on agriculture, we understand the impact of climatic and soil diversity, the unique requirements of each region, each farmer, each crop, and the need for sustainability. To this, we apply our global mind with 5,000 researchers in more than 130 countries, ensuring farmers of advanced seed technology and guarding growing investments through innovative crop protection. Local investment includes research facilities on par with our best in the world and the largest private insectary in Africa. Advanced genetic breeding is combined with intense trials, testing and refinement in different bioclimatic zones to bring forth the best in-class products. Beyond in-seed value, our on-seed applied technology on farm crop protection, digital and agronomic solutions are all designed to optimize farmers' productivity, profitability and sustainability. Because by being wholly devoted to agriculture, we have a deeper understanding of farming, the needs of our farmers, and the country's need for farmers. This is what drives our researchers to find new avenues for sustainable growth. 
it is the reason for having state-of-the-art seed production technology on home ground. Our motivation for creating effective, locally proven solutions to protect land and crops with care for the future. This is the world of Corteva in South Africa. Growing progress, enriching lives, now and for generations to come. Corteva, keep growing. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Forms Answer. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.